Radio show. I say this calls for action, and now nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. Negotiations Bible style. Bible style. Bible. 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 Negotiation Bible style. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. Here come the Dutch boys. Those good guys are back. With a look in their eye. They mean business this time. So today on the Christian Car Guy Show for 2018, what are the five cheapest new cars out there we're going to be counting those down as we go throughout the show today (laughs) i was absolutely shocked at how inexpensive some of the new cars are out there and i think you'll be shocked too uh and, and you can't help but ask a lot of questions along those lines like how is it that hyundai came in with not a car on the list not in the top five how is it that volkswagen honda all those companies that Used to bring us the least expensive cars. They don't do that anymore, but there's some out there. Really good brand names. Really inexpensive. We're going to be talking about that. We have an amazing guest with us today. We have Bruce Vanetta. We've had him on a number of years ago. He has a story unlike any I'll bet you've ever heard. Uh, Bruce, you were a truck technician. Yeah. And... We will be sharing his story about how, if you can imagine being under a truck and it comes off the jack stands and you're trapped underneath it, what happens then? You're going to hear about that from Bruce in a few minutes, along with the ministry he started and what they're doing. It's called the Sweetbread Ministries. And so I'm excited to have that discussion with you, Bruce. Sounds good. Yeah. And the Jesus Labor Love. That's part of the uh, Christian Car Guy Show's ministry car repair labor to single moms, widows, and families throughout the country. And as you might imagine, (laughs) the Christmas season is hard on on single moms and widows financially. And and then you end up in January with these cars that we've been trying to fix, and we found ourselves actually in an unprecedented need for cars donated. Uh, We actually have six on the list right now in Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia that need cars, um, and we're going to be talking about some of that and why that is, and ask for your prayers along those lines. Of course, you can find out about Bruce. You can find out about these cars, the five cheapest new cars in 2018. All this stuff, as well as the Jesus Labor Love, car repair labor for single moms and widows, is at christiancarguy.com, as well as links to Bruce's ministry, Sweet Red Ministry. And I want to jump right into it, Bruce. 
I know that everybody's dying to hear this story. I, I haven't heard it in a few years, so I, I'm anxious to hear it again. Sounds good. Well, like you, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. Uh, like you, I ended up coming out of a dealership. I had worked in a, a large Chevrolet dealership here in Wisconsin, and then it turned into a Western Star truck dealership. So I was a service manager there. And then the uh, customers began to ask for service on the road. So my dad had had a mobile repair service as I was growing up in a diesel repair shop. And so I ended up quitting working at the dealership and started my own on-site diesel repair business. And that's how the accident happened. It was actually back in 2006. And I was working on this huge Peterbilt logging truck. And I had done a cylinder head gasket and cylinder head replacement on it. And the guy that I was working with was a mechanic for that company. So it was about three days. We started on a Tuesday, worked on it Wednesday, Thursday, and Thursday night. We are just finishing up, started the engine and double check we no longer had leaks. That's why I was called for as a coolant leak. And uh, we're just letting it warm up the temperature. And the guy comes up and I'm putting my tools back in my service truck, which is, I guess, nothing more than a big rolling toolbox. And the guy taps me on the shoulder and said, hey, before you go, I mean, I was just minutes from walking out the door. The truck wasn't completely back together. It was The front wheel was still off and the air cleaner was still off. Different things were just peripheral stuff on the engine. That was all stuff that he could handle. They had called me in to do the job because they didn't have the training or the equipment to do this, the highly technical repair on the engine. So I'm just getting ready to leave. He comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, before you go, could I just have you look at one more thing? I asked him what it was, and he said he had a basically an oil seep, an oil leak, somewhere in the front of the engine. And he, So it's a Caterpillar diesel engine, and so a big yellow engine. And he said, within a couple of weeks, he said, I can wipe it off, and within a couple of weeks, I get this big, black, dirty spot. And he said, this is a conventional, so it's got a big hood that opens. You can see the engine out open. And he said, I have that you know, hood open, and I see this big, ugly, dirty spot. And he said, it drives me crazy. He said, could you figure out where that thing is leaking from? And he said, maybe we can, you know, get it diagnosed and then you can come back at a later date, order parts. Or he said, maybe it'll be something simple and you can just tell me what to do. So these particular engines, the series of engine has a two inherent problems that have an oil leak up there. And I thought, well, it's going to be a or B. I just, you know, just assumed because of the frequency of those oil leaks on those particular engines. So I, uh, for those people listening today, maybe have never had the opportunity or the desire to look underneath a great big semi truck. If you could imagine getting on your knees and looking underneath the front bumper towards the back of the vehicle, towards the back of the truck from the front, what you'd see is the lowest thing to the ground is the front axle. And uh, the reason why it's the lowest thing to the ground is because on these big trucks, it's a dropped axle. And all that means is the axle comes out of the wheels and drops down on both sides. It goes from the left to the right. And on, on those trucks, on this particular truck, it's five to six tons of weight. So 10 to 12,000 pounds of weight on the front two tires. That's not the weight of the vehicle, just on the on the two front tires, steering axle. So there's just enough room for a guy and a creeper, if you're a little guy, to just barely go underneath that front axle. A large man can't slide laying on a creeper, a little tool that mechanics use to go underneath vehicles. They can't go underneath that front axle because it's too low to the ground. But I'm just small enough, I could usually just slip barely slip underneath them. So the guy I've been working with on this, on this job, the guy who worked at that logging company had jacked up that front axle on the passenger side 
unfortunately, he had not used any safety equipment. He had had some blocks underneath the tire, and then, then he removed the tire, and the blocks got moved out of the way. So the whole weight of the truck in the front is on this bottle jack on the passenger side, and the, the wheel is still on on the driver's side. So I lay down on his creeper, and, uh, you know, I, I almost got my creeper out of my truck. I've got a, you know, a, I had a, a large wheel snap-on creeper. And, Robbie, I know you're going to understand this. Anybody that worked on a vehicle ever, if you've ever used a cheap creeper, they're really hard to use. <laughs> they are. You know, with those little bitty wheels, if you roll over a pebble of sand, they stop, and they're, they'll pinch your arms, and they're just aggravating you. And this was a plastic, hollow-core, junky creeper that this guy had. And I remember thinking I didn't want to even use it because it was just going to probably make me mad, agitate me. And then I looked in the back of my truck, and here's my creeper. It's all strapped down and everything. I thought, well, I'm just about ready to leave this place. I'll just use his creeper. He just crawled off the money the truck on it. So I lay down on his plastic creeper, and I go underneath, laying on my back. I go underneath the front bumper feet first, and I'm going to be looking at the bottom of the engine. And as I'm going underneath the front bumper, I say to this guy, I said, hey, Leonard, why don't you just go in and you can check the temperature of the engine, get up in the cab, check the temperature of the engine on the gauge. If it's up to X amount, go ahead and shut it off. I don't need it running. I don't need the engine running to look for this oil seat. I was pretty sure I knew what it was already anyway. So I go underneath the front of the truck, on my back, on this creeper, underneath that axle. And where I stopped, that axle was go- going from the left side to the right side, right across, uh, you know, where I ended up stopping was it was right above my belly button. So between my, basically between the bottom of my ribs and uh, where the top of your pelvic starts, that whole area, because that axle is probably about five, six inches deep front to back, shaped like a big I-beam. Again, it's got this 10 to 12,000 pounds of weight on it. I saw that he uh, did not have any safety equipment, that it was just a bottle jack holding it up, and I shouldn't have gone underneath there, but I did. I was in a hurry to get home, and I thought, well, it's been on that jack for three days. The engine's been running, you know, 15, 20 minutes. We were testing repair. So I go underneath, and he gets up inside to check the temperature and shut the engine off. And when he did, uh, he bumped the steering wheel or grabbed the steering wheel or whatever, and that the driver's side wheel was still on the ground, so it was enough to wiggle that axle. And when it did, the, the jack came out like a shot out from underneath it. I saw movement in the peripheral vision hey, of my hey, left Bruce, eye. Bruce, I hate to jump in there, but you, can, you might can hear the music in the background. Timing-wise, we got to go to a break right when it appears this truck is coming down, which we're going to hear the rest of this amazing story and and really where God fits into that. We're going to be hearing about the five cheapest new cars for 2018. Stay tuned. we got so much coming up. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Saving pennies and saving dimes. What do you think are the five cheapest new cars for 2018? We are going to get into that in here in just a minute. But also today we have this amazing guest who is sharing his story, and we're going to get to that even quicker. Bruce Vanetta with Sweetbread Ministries. And as you heard, the he was up on those up underneath that truck. It was fixed to come down, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But we also are talking about the Jesus Labor Love car needs. We had six cars that we desperately need donated here. Um, you can be praying. Join them with us in prayer as we talk about that 
and we'll be getting to that in a minute as well. Now, getting back to the five cheapest new cars, I thought we'd go ahead and take on two of them right now. Would you believe that number five on the list is the Ford, a Ford Fiesta? $14,115 is the least expensive Ford you can buy. And number four on the list is a Kia, a Kia Rio. It's only $13,995. Now, again, I'm just shocked that you don't see a Hyundai even making the list of the top five. Where's Honda? Some of these cars, the VW, they came into the United States with the least expensive car available. Ford himself, when you think about it, Henry Ford, the Model T, what made Ford great was Number one, it was the most affordable car out there. Well, who's going to win that spot? We're going to get to that in just a minute. Well, that's the first two. We got Bruce Vanetta again. When we left our hero, he was just underneath that truck. And uh, Bruce, when that man climbed up and he touched the steering wheel, all hell broke loose, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's when the, the jack slipped out. And when the jack shot out from underneath that axle, that axle carrying that five to six tons of weight came crashing down across my midsection like a blunt guillotine and basically crushed my body in half. Uh, when it fell through, if you can imagine, basically a piece of metal going all the way from one side of the truck to the other side of the truck, and it was right above my belly button. So between the bottom of my ribs and the top of my pelvic is where this thing fell through me. And it crashed to the cement, and when it did, uh, blood shot up out of my body on impact, kind of like if you stepped on your toothpaste tube in the middle of your bathroom floor, something's going to squirt out. Well, big blob of blood squirted out from the inside, and uh, I looked, I saw that big blob of blood next to my head as I spit it out, and I remember saying, Lord Jesus, help me. And I remember, actually, I said it twice. I don't know if it was because I was afraid he didn't hear me the first time or what, but I said the second time, Lord, help me. And I just like to say right there, you know, I'm, some people hear this testimony and think I must have come from a, you know, really religious background or something, and, you know, really nothing could be further from the truth. I didn't grow up in a church home. You know, we would go to church only maybe on a Christmas or a Easter some years. Uh, my parents would have said they were Christians, believed in God, but didn't live a godly lifestyle. Drugs, alcohol, uh, partying, uh, that's the kind of family I grew up in. And then I myself went that way and so I was a uh, 20 years of drugs and alcohol and smoking pot every day and and uh, you know just living that lifestyle sold drugs to get mine for free lived that lifestyle for years and years and years and a year before the accident uh, my wife started working at a church and a year before the accident these people came through this church these missionaries and ended up uh, coming to our house and we gave them a vehicle they needed but they needed some stuff and we ended up giving them a van and when they dropped off the van that day they said can we pray for you for anything and i said yeah i've been addicted to uh, drugs and alcohol for 20 years you can pray for that they did and god miraculously set me free and i was completely addicted so again if you can picture now i've been sober for a year and uh, we've been doing some bible studies at that point and different things i call out the lord i said lord help me and i looked down and on the left side of my body there was only about an inch of airspace between the bottom of the axle and the cement. So I know that's hard for people to imagine sometimes, but literally my body was only one inch thick on the left side, and on the right side I was about two inches thick. There was about two inches of space between the bottom of the axle and the cement. So I was thinner than my vertebrae and my backbone because my L4, L5 vertebrae, which are the ones straight through from your belly button, at least on my body, those two vertebrae were broken. 
so I was just a little bit thinner than my spine in the middle of my body, a lot thinner on the left side and a little bit fatter on the right side because the, the wheel was still attached on the right side or the driver's side as I'm laying right there on my back. So I'm crushed across the middle. Um, I had five places that major arteries are completely severed, spleen, pancreas, uh, large, small intestines, veins. I mean, everything in the middle was just crushed. The guy gets down out of the truck, and uh, he went into shock when he saw me crushed in half, and he, he panicked, and he didn't do anything. So I started begging him to call 911. He ends up calling 911, and then I'm, he never did shut the truck off, so the engine was still running. And so the vibration of his big diesel engine just inches above me was exaggerating the, the horrible pain that I already felt from being crushed in half. So I, I'm begging him to shut it off. He shuts it off, and then uh, he goes to get the jack because the jack had flew out from underneath there at high, high pressure, high force. And when he found the jack, he couldn't put the jack back underneath the axle of the jack up off of my body because the axle is now on the cement, so he can't put it in there. So he's trying to figure out how he's going to get this truck off of me, and he put it up against the big curved leaf spring which, Robbie, as you know, you don't want to jack something up no. on a curve. You want to go on something flat. Uh, but it was he's, and I'm telling him, don't jack it up there, but he said it's the only spot I've got. So he's jacking up on the, the leaf spring, which is attached to the axle, and the jack is slipping, slipping, slipping because it's on an arc, and then finally it caught on a little bracket, and then he, and he was then able to jack the truck up off my body. When he did, and I looked down, it was just like all I could think of was it was something out of a cartoon like from when I was a kid and, and Wiley Coyote gets run over by Acme truck and there's a big flat spot across the middle because that's what it looked like. My work uniform went to the edge of my ribs. And when it got to the, you know, right at the bottom of my ribs, it went down towards my spine, followed along my spine and then came back up with my pelvic across the whole, if you can picture from the bottom of your ribs to the top of your pelvic, that whole area was just flat, you know, again, a couple inches thick. Unbelievable! Unbelievable that you didn't lose consciousness. Consciousness, not uh, quite yet. It's it's coming, and so I'm panicking. I'm in uh, incredible pain. I'm obviously starting to go into shock. What I didn't know was, as long as the truck was on top of me, it had all those arteries pinched off that were severed. As soon as he jacked the truck up off of my body, now the five major arteries that are that are cut, five places the major arteries are cut, are now able to free bleed. And so as soon as he jacked the truck up off my body, that's when I began to bleed to death without knowing it. And uh, so I'm panicking. I'm asking him to get me off the right of the truck. Oh, Bruce, I hate to, to stop you again, but here we are at another break. <laughs> when we come okay. back, we got three more of the top least expensive cars. we got to talk about these Jesus Labor Love Needs. We'll find out what ministry Bruce has now, what Sweetbread has to do with that. we got so much more Christian Car Guy Show coming up. Stay tuned. Oh, I love to hear that Breakaway Pontiac song. It just brings back a lot of wonderful, wonderful memories. But one thing I can't escape is that the reason I believe that Pontiac no longer exists as a manufacturer is they weren't true to the cause of creating vehicles that people could afford. And General Motors went bankrupt, as you know, as a result of 
really leading people into such a tremendous amounts of debt that they were unable to, to continue to just trade cars every three years like they'd set the culture for all that to happen. The result is we lost Oldsmobile, we lost Pontiac, we lost some great cars, and yet we now have these cars that are really comparatively terribly inexpensive when you think about it. In fact, we're ready to get to number three here, which is a Mitsubishi Mirage, only 13995 well, you think about that, that the average new car sells for over $33,000. How is it that this car is $20,000 less than that? <laughs> and it doesn't really hardly sell many. I mean, they don't sell many cars like that. They, they sell all the more expensive ones as people go into tremendous amounts of debt. And again, we're going to engage in that conversation a little bit more. The number two car is a Chevy. They did learn a little bit along the lines. It's $13,050. So we're still going to get to the number one car. We still are going to get to Bruce Vanetta when we – you got to hear the rest of the story. It's absolutely going to be amazing as he was going through that. But I do want to take another minute and talk about the Jesus Labor Love. That's car repair labor for single moms, widows, and families in crisis. As I talked about at the beginning of the show, this time of year is particularly difficult for a lot of single moms and widows. And it would appear as we have car needs like we've never had them, we actually need six. The one that really kind of grieves me the most is there's a lady in Richmond. Um, so if you're in Virginia and you're listening today and you know somebody who's got a car that's sitting out there they're not using or whatever, you know, just go to ChristianCarGuy.com and look at that donation form. It's under these prayer requests for these people. But, you know, she has a daughter that, that frequently needs to go to the hospital and, and some other issues like that. And yet she has no transportation. And all six of those needs are listed there at ChristianCarGuy.com. You can take a look. I understand. I don't have a car. And so I kind of just got to give this stuff to God. Because <laughs> as the requests come in and the ladies are crying and I'm praying with them, all I can do, all I can really do is the same thing you can do. We can give that to God. If we don't have a car for them, then by praying, you see, we're all joining in and helping into that situation. And clearly, as we were listening to Bruce's story here a little while ago, I think of all the people that were, unbeknownst to Bruce, praying for him, including those missionaries and whatever, that led to this, these few moments that was a matter of life and death, which has been a huge thing for his ministry, the books that he's written, and the, all the things that happened as a result. But when you look back at the little details of these incidences, and having been crushed by a car myself, and having survived cancer myself, I understand the little details. And one of the little details that Bruce shared in the beginning of the story was that he was thinking about getting his own creeper, but he didn't. Tell us what, what, what the significance was of staying on that guy's creeper, Bruce. Well, his creeper was a plastic holocore creeper, and when the truck fell on me, uh, that creeper collapsed to only, you know, like less than a quarter inch thick, I mean, an eighth inch thick. It just collapsed nothing because it was plastic and was a hot air in the middle, hollow core. If I would have been on my snap-on creeper, it's got a steel framework with wood and a and a pillow, you know, this cushion and stuff. And there's there's six big wheels, and the, there's a cross member right across, right where my belly button would be. There's a steel bar that goes from the left to the right, plus two big wheels. So when the truck fell on me, if I would have been on my creeper that steel bar would actually have been a, a pinch point, and I would have literally been severed into two pieces. I would have absolutely been severed into two pieces, as opposed to just being crushed down to an inch thick on my left and two inches thick on the right. If I would have been on my creeper, I would have literally been ripped. It would have, it would have pinched me off into two com 
different pieces. So, I mean, it was it was life or death. They're just a creeper, like you said, these little details. Yeah, and they all, when you've been through something like that, it's amazing how God puts it all like in super slow motion where you recall, oh, yeah, that happened and this happened, and then God showed yeah. up. And, and you know, a lot of times, and, and again, there's a beautiful uh, interview of you that CNN did on uh, – um, that's a video. 700 and Club, yeah. Yeah, at the 700 Club. And a lot of people picture angels. Tell us about that. What, what, what do you think was going on? Or just go ahead and pick up where you left off on the story. Yeah, so, the, I mean, when this thing fell on me and I got crushed in half, I'm begging to get him from, you know, asking him to get me off from underneath the truck once he jacked it off me. But most people have been told you don't want to move somebody with a back injury, so he didn't. I panicked. I grabbed the bottom of the big front bumper that was just behind my head. I was just underneath the front of that truck. And I was able to drag myself, you know, laying on my back, laying on this broken creeper. I was able to pull myself out. So now just my head and shoulders were sticking out from underneath the front bumper, the rest of my body underneath the truck. At that point, um, he had called 911. It's a volunteer fire department in that area in the middle, of, as you can imagine, very rural area. The very first guy was driving home from work, and uh, his pager went off, and he was literally right at the front door when his pager went off. So he turned into this place. So he's there within minutes. And uh, he, you know, calls MedFlight and does whatever he did. And the next guy shows up, and it was about that point, just a couple minutes after he had jacked the truck up off my body, I bled out. I bled to death. And I can say I bled to death because I had a pulse. I had a heartbeat when those first two guys got there. And all of a sudden, my heart stopped and my pulse stopped when I bled out internally. So physically died. When my, when my body died, my heart stopped. My spirit left my body and went up to the roof of the garage. And uh, the, the Bible tells us we have a spirit that lives inside our body. And so I'm watching from above, and as I was watching from above, that's where the angels come in, because on each side of my body were, was an angel. So two angels, they were about, let's say, eight feet tall, based on the fact that the guy I was working with was six feet tall, and their heads were about two feet taller than his head from what I saw on the ceiling. I've done some study on angels in the Bible. They're mentioned almost 300 times. Sometimes they have wings, sometimes they don't. These two particular angels did not have wings. Very large, muscular men with long hair, and they had their hands in the middle of my body where I was crushed flat. Um, they never talked to me. They didn't uh, communicate in any way, shape, or form. They just were ministering to my body, touching me in the middle. People were coming. The emergency volunteer department's you know showing up one onesie twosie, and the last two people that came, one of them was a, a two-month-old baby Christian, 38-year-old woman that had been believing in Jesus for two months. And she started praying. She got down in between. Nobody was doing anything because they're not going to do CPR because of the chest injury. And they, so there's nothing they can do for me. Basically, I've died and there's not. So several minutes have gone by, no heartbeat, no pulse. This lady shows up and prayed me back to life. And she prayed me back, ended up praying me back to life three times because every time I'd come back, it hurt so bad. I, I didn't want it and I'd make a mental decision to, to leave. A tunnel opened up. I'd, I'd been up on the roof of the garage and a tunnel opened up going out of that roof with a light on the end of it a million miles away, and I got in the tunnel. And I know that was heaven. On the end of that tunnel, I know that light was heaven. And I was going towards it, and she kept praying me back to life. And uh, when she did the last time, she said, what do you have to fight for? Do you have a wife? Do you have kids? Do you have anything in this world to fight for? I remembered at that point my wife and my four children and ended up uh, just, she said, don't, you're on the verge of life and death. Stay here, you know, dig in your heels and fight. So that's what ended up happening. Like I said, God sent these angels, then he sent this woman. I got med-flighted to the state's largest uh, trauma center where I spent the next year in the hospital. I'd get out for a couple weeks, go back in for a couple months, but it stretched out over the next year. Five major operations. 
um, they were able to, God did, we don't even have enough time to go through and just talk about all the individual little <laughs> miracles and even big oh, yeah. ones that happened I understand. in my healing story during the hospital stay. But God was faithful. He was having people pray for me all over the United States. And uh, we started this ministry at that a year later. Actually, while I was still, still uh, just recovering from my last operation, we officially started Sweet Bread Ministries. And that word sweet bread, um, I know because I've interviewed you before, <laughs> But your your intestines are are what a lot of people refer to as sweet sweet bread, and share the significance of that for you. Well, the the my small intestines were removed because they were so badly damaged, and adults have eighteen to twenty some feet of small intestine. I had like two feet left is all they could save. Two pieces they'd saved. So I was dying in hospital. It's not enough to live on. They're feeding me intravenously. I'm starving to death. God woke up a man from New York two mornings in a row and told him, buy a plane ticket, fly to Wisconsin, pray for that guy in the hospital. The guy did. So wait, what, did, what, 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 what? God woke up a guy in yep. where? In New York. He lived in New York. I was on the prayer chain at their church. They were praying for me at the, at the church. I, I was getting prayed for by churches all over, and I was and on the so prayer chain. so this guy, God told him to come to Wisconsin? Yep, buy a plane ticket, fly to Wisconsin. The first day he blew it off and said, he looked it up, and it was like 900 some dollars for a ticket, and he's like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. And then the next morning, God woke him up again at 5 a.m. and said, buy the ticket, fly there, and I'll do a miracle. I'll, I'll... So he did. And literally, when the guy came and prayed for me, a creative miracle happened, and God gave me back 9 to 11 feet of intestine out of nowhere instantaneously. That's what totally... you call some sweet bread. Well, we got to go to another break. I know yeah. you're... Dying to hear the rest of the story as I am. We're going to find out in this next segment what the number one and two cars are, and we'll be back. Yes, we are living in interesting times here on the Christian Car Guys show today. We are so blessed to have Bruce Vanetta with us, Sweet Bread Ministries, and we're certainly going to hear the rest of his story in just a minute and, and kind of where his ministry has gone, the books he's read, written, and, and the way God's allowed him to serve. It's really just a phenomenal, wonderful thing to see how God does these things. I know in my own life I had a similar stories, um, not quite as extreme, no doubt, as is what Bruce has been through. But I did want to get to these the number one cheapest new car, which kind of shocked me. Uh, in for 2018, is once again the Nissan Versa. So a 2018 Nissan Versa, brand new, you can buy at MSRP twelve thousand one hundred and ten dollars. So all five of these cars are in and around thirteen to $12,000. All five of these cheap cars have got four-store crash ratings. All five of them get 37 miles to gallon or better. All five of them <clears throat> uh, have plenty of room for at least two and horsepower and get you around. And so you can't help but wonder, when I was talking to my son at Christmas, it just horrified me. My son's a sales manager at a Chevy store, and he told me that, Dad, more and more people are going to 84 and 96-month financing. Now there's credit unions going 120 months. Because, again, the average new car purchase price is $33,000. So I wanted to share just a little bit of truth 
that I try to share constantly on the Christian Car Guy Show because it's what God asked me to do is that if you will keep your car and you will take care of your car, it will last for years and years and years and years and it will save you thousands and thousands of dollars. A car will last as long as you take care of it. I live that. My own 1995 Dodge Dakota has 410,000 miles on it and it continues to run great and I very much I'm excited to get in it every time I drive it. Maybe you don't want to be that extreme, but they'll certainly last longer than two or three years. So there's some truth. A car will last as long as you do if you take care of it. The other truth is that debt is bondage. Plain and simple. The less debt you have, the more freedom you have. It's, you'll love that fruit if you really start to bite into it. Number three truth, wisdom is cries out in the street, and there are lots of people who can help you buy a car that you can afford to get you in a right budget plan, but you got to go to people that have your best interests at heart and don't have an agenda. Number four, all cars are used cars. When they come off the, the assembly line, they're tested by somebody, and every single car that has ever been purchased <laughs> in the United States in the last years, they're used cars. And you can get a car that is sold as a used car for a great deal less than you can pay for a new car, and you Pass up all that depreciation. And if you want a warranty, you know, you say, I need a new car because I need a warranty. You can get those on used cars as well. And all that information is at christiancarguy.com. Some truth you can chew on. But we do want to get back to Bruce, and we want to finish this story. So, wow, this man came from, and he prayed for you, and you got a new section of intestines? Yeah, 9 to 11 feet. The doctors can't say exactly for sure because it's all kind of like a ball of worms. It's they, The word they use, circuitous, you know, it's all kind of wound up together. But, yeah, I have – so now in, instead of having two feet, I ended up with, like I said, an extra 9 to 11. So it's about exactly half of what a normal person has, but it works just like it was all of it. Yeah, and you've been able to write – tell us about your books. Uh, the first book I wrote was called Saved by Angels. It's still available, especially like on Amazon and stuff. That was actually a Christian bestseller, and it talks, it's the full title is Saved by Angels to share how God talks to everyday people. Like you, Robbie, I'm just an everyday guy, and yet God talks to us. And uh, we there's things in the Bible that tell us the different ways, different methods that God used to speak, pe- to, speak to people today. And of that's course. what that book talks about. It has my accent story in there. And then the second book was called A Miraculous Life, or is called A Miraculous Life. And I believe that God wants all Christians to live the miraculous life, and that's what that book is about. And in the last 10 years of ministry, we've seen the Lord do many, many, many uh, incredible miracles. And actually, I put 40, I think 40 plus, 41, 42 of those miracles that we've seen in the last 10 years in that book. Um, Just, you know, biblical-type miracles that you would see, much like where my intestines had a creative miracle. We've seen God do that for other people as well and different different things like that. And again, I believe God wants us to live a life that exemplifies him and in our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our action, loving him first and loving other people ourselves. And so you speak now all over the country uh, yeah. with Sweet Bread Ministries, which by the way, that's linked right there at ChristianCarGuy.com, but it's SweetBreadMinistries.com, right? Yep. Yep. And we, we do uh, orphanage support. We've built a couple orphanages. We just finished building another school, uh, this one in Honduras. We do a lot in Central America. Uh, we work in Moldova a little bit through a, another ministry. We, we like to partner with other ministries that already have a work 
going, and then we just partner with them to help them in their work. So uh, yeah, we do a lot of humanitarian aid stuff. We drilled wells and and uh, cool? help widows and orphans. You know, I have a dear friend, a Dennis Breeden, who actually works for another radio station, of course, Town WBFJ, and he we were do we do one show together called A Masculine Journey. And he said one of the things that God has challenged him with in 2018 was to maximize his story for the kingdom. Mm. And when I talk about somebody who's maximized their story for the kingdom, Bruce, I mean, (laughs) I've heard your story. This may be the third or fourth time, not to mention I've read your books, which are just amazing, and I would highly recommend them. But when I listen to it, every time you add something else that maximizes it, and the reason that it's maximized, Bruce, is because God's the hero of the story. that that you can clearly see this wasn't something that you know bruce you know there he was but you know god showed up and he gave that guy something to come and pray for but that that's a story that that man now can maximize for the kingdom like the time i got to get up and pray for bruce and and yeah and and there's so many different ways that god uses your story it, it's more than amazing. And so when I think of the adventure for 2018, um, have you ever read the book by C.S. Lewis, The Horse and His Boy? It's one of no, the chron- I've not read that one. <clears throat> it's one of the chronicles of Narnia. And I heard the intro to that uh, in another podcast I was listening to this week about how Aslan, who's a picture of Christ, was going alongside this boy who was on the horse. And the boy knew he was there and he was terrified to an extent and he cries out and he said who's there what are you doing and the Aslan character the Christ character said someone who has long waited to hear from you (laughs) and 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 don't you get a picture Bruce that there you were under the truck and at this point in time you're going Jesus help me help me he goes yeah it's about time you know and I was right there when the jeep crushed me I was there Robbie you know and all of a sudden Jesus help me (laughs) and and you know it's 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 a shame that we had to get that extreme before you know he got our attention to reach out but he's been waiting the whole time and and he will take you on the adventure this year right now all you got to do is reach out and call out that's it and I love, I love what you, when you talk about hearing from God, that the Bible is not a book of e- exceptions. It's a book of examples. All yeah. those people, David, Paul, Peter, all those guys, they heard from God. And we can too. And, and that's what makes the Christian life just absolutely amazing, doesn't it, Bruce? That's it. That's it exactly. Yeah. It's not boring. <laughs> no, no, Bruce, I got to tell you, <laughs> when I hear your story, I don't think a single, single person could possibly say, now that was, but anyway, Bruce, God bless you. God bless Sweetbread Ministries. Thank you so much for being on with me again. It's always so encouraging. I just pumped up to hear it again. And Thanks I, for I, having me on. Yeah. I just I, want to encourage you, all the stuff that you shared at the beginning of the segment about, you know, taking care of a car and stuff, like you with the mechanical background. And uh, we live that as well. And we, same thing, you know, we don't buy new vehicles and we just keep fixing the old vehicles. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just such godly wisdom that so needs to be heard in this world today. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you for listening today to the Christian Car Guy Show. We are just going to pray that you slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went, got it all done in 33 years.